Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of the Kid Stays in the Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cooper, and joining me is... Sky Cooper. Sky Cooper? Sky High Cooper. I really don't even know where you're going with this. I'm in the sky very high, Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like just completely blanking on what you're trying... Oh, it's because we watched High Rise this week. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm in the sky... Hi. That's terrible. Because it's, it's a high rise. Yep, that's that's the worst one yet. Well, I had to make it with an S, cause, so it had to be Sky High. Well, joining me is Solomon Cooper, who I will not be calling Sky High Cooper. Okay, that's fine, honestly. I didn't love that name. And you said you've been thinking about it for a really long time. Yeah, I have been, but I'm. what else could it have been? Well, it just goes to show that just because you put your mind to something doesn't mean it's going to turn out okay. That's a bad lesson to teach our... our Listeners and viewers. We have viewers. (laughs) Oh, yes. We have viewers now. I can say see ya. I'm still going to say no because it's a podcast. At the end of the day, that's what we're doing. That's true. So let's let's go ahead and and let let the people know what they're in for today. And it is a treat. Let me tell you. We're going to be discussing the Ben Wheatley film High Rise, as we mentioned. This yeah. movie kind of slots into our film noir, but it really takes a lot of different buckets. I think a, some people... Yeah, you can t- take a bucket? Uh, d- sorry, takes a lot of boxes. There you go. I mean, I guess you could take a bucket if you wanted to. Uh, but yeah, it uh, blends a lot of different genres together. Anybody who's seen a Ben Wheatley movie knows that it's going to be dark, it's going to get weird, and it's going to have some social commentary. And I... Definitely would say that High Rise is no exception. No, definitely not any exception. Um, but before we get into that, we do have to do a quick update on the book of Boba Fett, a show increasingly shown to benefit by a complete lack of presence from its eponymous protagonist. Would you not agree, Solomon? I would. That was just a very... You used a big word. (laughs) Okay. But uh, I'm saying the show is better because when Boba Fett's not in it. Yeah. Even though it's called the Boba Fett show. It's called... Starring Boba Fett. It's called the Book of Boba Fett, Dad. You know what I mean. But anyway, yeah. I mean, look, we have said this. If you're still listening to us at this point, you already know we do full spoilers on this podcast, right? We're talking about shows over a week after they come out. We're talking about movies, usually the weekend after they came out. In the case of what we're doing right now, diving into, what are you doing? (laughs) Making fun. You look funny. It's really irritating. I almost broke your hands. You almost broke my hands just because I was copying you? Yeah, how am I supposed to keep a train of thought? I will break your fingers. (laughs) How am I supposed to keep a train of thought going if you're doing silly things like that? I thought it was funny. Yeah, well, be funny on your own time. Okay, fine. Oh, yeah, so... Boba Fett is uh, not in this next episode. Again. Again. And um, it's really since good. you derailed my, my entire train of thought, why don't you just go ahead and start and give us a plot synopsis of this week's episode of The Book of Boba Fett and why it has so many people confounded, mostly in good ways. Well, we get to see. I said plot synopsis. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> mm, tasty plot synopsis. <laughs> what is a plot synopsis of this episode? 
That's what I'm asking you. Uh, if I say what it is, then that's me giving the plot synopsis. <laughs> exactly. Okay. The Mandalorian. Also known as. Din Djarin. Din Djarin. Goes to a place. Yeah, what was the place? I don't know. So We saw some ant robots. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so essentially the entire episode is what uh, was alluded to in the last episode that we saw that was all about, you know, Mando, which is that he wants to go see Grogu. Yeah, he, he misses wants to him. see our baby boy. He made him some metal clothes. He made him a metal blankie. No, he made him a keychain. Yeah, we, we got to, so if you listen to last week's episode, we talked about this. Solomon was convinced that they were making Grogu a Grogu-shaped keychain out of Beskar, which is hysterically stupid, but that's fine. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm just saying that that idea was stupid. Idea was hellish. Okay. Anyway, it turned out that I was right. It was chainmail armor. Oh, wow. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiling yeah. it so far ahead. Like I, I wasn't even done with my synopsis. Yes, yeah, so the synopsis. Let me go back to my synopsis. So he went to the planet to see the Grogu's, and we see that Luke Skywalker is training Grogu slash Baby Yoda. Yeah, that's the... the that's plot the main would, thing that's The happening. plot synopsis was just, I was just going to say, is that he goes to visit Baby Baby Yoda. He goes to visit Grogu. You can't keep going. Yeah, but that's not really Yoda. what happened. That's the plot synopsis. But that's not, that is a synopsis. But that's not really. A that's, the, that's the whole plot of the episode. But it happened for like five seconds. Um, that actually isn't the only plot going on. The other part of the plot is that Mando is actually helping Boba Fett, who I'm not kidding, guys and gals, has one scene in the movie and he has no lines. It's not a movie. Not joking, in the show. Yep. Yeah, so there's two plots going on. One, we have the reintroduction at the beginning of the episode, and this kind of bookends the, the episode, the reintroduction of Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the marshal. Oh, my goodness. So he starts off by finding some pikes, trying to deal do some, some shady, shady spice dealings in his backyard. He doesn't like that. Tells them to get out of town and never show their, you know, pikey heads around here again. And um, and then obviously Boba Fett's mission to try and get as many supporters as he can to help him fight a war against the syndicate. Now that definitely takes back seat to what this episode really wants to be about, which is Mando going to visit Grogu, being convinced by none other than Ahsoka Tano, who is in this episode. Yeah, insanely. After yeah. I was positive she would not be. Yeah. Um. This. This. This part. All of this doesn't matter anymore. I forgot about one thing. Are you, are you not going to skip to the end of the episode, are you? Is that, is you, have that a, you have something on your face. Oh, no, other side. You got to wipe that off. I can see it. The audience can't really see it. Okay, you got it. You got it off. You got it off. No, you didn't. Oh, wipe it again. The other side. What are you doing? <laughs> is that how you wipe your face? You're just covering it. I'm hiding my face. This is ridiculous. What is it? Why couldn't you just wipe your face off? What is it? Now, now look at where everyone's having to listen to me talk about. I don't know what it is. Just some gerb. You got it. Some gerb. I think it was just like some Cheerios or whatever. There's no Cheerios. So I have a sparkle. Oh my god! St- stop making this take forever. Okay, it's I'm done. Sorry. You already made it take forever by not wiping your face, just covering your hands with your face. Covering my hands with my. So face. are you going to skip to the end of the episode? So I'm asking you. I don't want you to do that. Is it the end? If if what I think you're going to skip to is I is don't know. Is it the awesome thing that happened? Yeah, at the very end. <sighs> Fine. This is why you're bad at plot synopsis. I already did the synopsis. So not really. Yes, I did. You, you didn't even include the whole thing. You didn't include the entire plot. I did. Sorry, not the entire thought, the premise. Whatever. No. You, so, go, go. Ahsoka Tano, who shows up in this episode, convinces Mando that it's a bad idea for him to go see, um, you know, Grogu, because he's doing his training, and he already really misses him, and he's really, really sad. So, off they go. And then we get what something I was 100% not expecting. About 20, 30 minutes of Luke doing Jedi training with Grogu. Yep. Just like I said. I mean, just like you said. Luke trains Grogu. Well, what did you think about that? I thought it was pretty neat. Do you, you thought it was pretty neat? <laughs> yes, I thought it was pretty neat. That's all you have to say. <laughs> it actually, it was like a, it was like, um, what episode is it? Is it? Five. Whenever Luke trains with Yoda. Yeah. 
oh, really? You saw the similarities there? Mm-hmm. Oh, so having Luke Skywalker train with Yoda and then seeing Luke Skywalker train with a baby Yoda, you noticed that there were some similarities he in those trained, scenes. He trained Grogu, not baby Yoda. Well, that's what everybody calls him. No, that's wrong. So um, it's very neat because he was even wearing the, the same. The student becomes the master and <laughs> teaches a very similar. He, he teaches the same race species. It, except it was really interesting. In whenever I say really interesting, it's more amusing to me. Um, so in the original, Yoda is training him, right? So it makes sense that Yoda's like riding in his backpack, hitting him on the head with a stick while he runs to the forest and does like his boot camp training. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, in this, he's Luke is still doing that. Luke's older. Um, by the way, for those of you who didn't watch uh, season two of Mandalorian, they figured out um, once again how to de-age people. So Mark Hamill is playing 30-year-old Mark Hamill, even though he's... 103. He is not 103, guys. But he's quite aged. I promise you he's not. Is he 30? He's not 30. Exactly. He might be 60. So anyway, he looks 30 in this because they used a combination of body doubles, face doubles, and deep, deep fake fakes. technology. Um, and then this is also really weird. So you know how I kept saying that his voice, um, like, they obviously had to do something digital to his voice, right? Because Mark Hamill doesn't sound like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you know who does the voice? Who? Do, do you think it's Mark Hamill? Do you think it's somebody else? I thought it was possibly Mark Hamill. Okay, well, who else would it be? Sebastian Stan? You think he's doing the voice? I don't know who that is. I don't know. Bill Cosby? Do you think he's doing the I voice? I don't think Bill Cosby Do you think it's the guy who plays Nick in New Girl? Do you think that's who's Bill doing the Cosby voice? Bill Cosby just now got out just of prison. give me some... I want you to throw out somebody who you think is doing the voice. Come on, make a guess. Just throw any, any name. Big Bird? Do you think Big Bird's <laughs> doing the voice? I'm going to have to say Raphael... From the Ninja Turtles? Yep. Guess what? No. No one's doing the voice. That's right. <laughs> okay. Oh. No one, Solomon, is doing the voice. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? They are chopping up his other voice. They're chopping up his other voice? <laughs> They're using his voice. All of his voice comes from the other movies. Nope. That would still be Mark Hamill. Wait. If someone chopped up everything that you were saying right now and made it actually sound like something really smart, those would still be your words. <laughs> Dad. What? That's, you're so mean all the time. I'm just saying. So it's like a robot? Yes. An AI? They fed an algorithm every line that Mark Hamill's ever spoken as Luke Skywalker. They fed it all into an algorithm and then they fed all these audiobooks. There's a lot of Star Wars audiobooks that he read. They fed all of that into an algorithm. And basically, the, a computer learned how to be Mark Hamill. And it was crazy. It started sleeping with his wife. And no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, no, this computer learned how to be Mark Hamill. Like it says all of his like lines for the movie. They just, t they just write the script and then the computer says the lines. That's awesome. It's crazy. It's, it's a completely digital performance almost. That's really cool. Um, I mean, Mark Hamill does like come on set and I think he puts the robes on and stuff and he does the moving and whatever. And the stunt double comes in and they do the thing. But I, at this point, I kind of feel like they're just doing that to make Mark Hamill feel more included. Yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised if that was the case. But anyway, we're 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 running out of time to um, to discuss some of the really cool stuff in this movie. So let's kind of speed speed through it. Uh, we end, we we end uh, we end the training with Luke. Realizing that Grogu really wants to go to Mando. Mando agreed to not go talk to him. He just leaves him his little gift, his present, which was not a keychain. It was not a little dangly thing for his for his little Yoda purse. I thought it was. I know. Gosh. And um and then we go back to Tatooine where Boba Fett can't even do the one thing that he should be able to do, which is go get recruit people. Even Mando has to go do that for him. Yeah, that's because Mando's too cool for him. Yeah, so they're like, we need allies. So Mando goes to the town that Cobb Vanth is the marshal of, which uh, everybody should remember was the season pilot of Mandalorian season two when they fight the crate dragon. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Um, so he goes to try and recruit these townsfolks to help Boba Fett in his fight against the Pikes. Um, and this culminates in the scene that I know Solomon wants to discuss that was had uh, fans of Dave Filoni's work. Going bananas. OMG, guys. Cad Bane. 
walks down the big long sand path to see everyone, including Mando and wrong Bob Van Vanth- No, actually not not Mando. I was stupid. Um, yeah. And also, wasn't a big long sand path. It was just the desert. Yeah, big long desert, all looking all western like, with this big long cool cowboy hat on, walking down the sand with this with the sand blowing past him. Yeah, I mean, he was straight out of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. You know what I mean? The scene, Cobb Vanth is already like that. I've seen that movie. Yeah, I'm sure you have. It's full of dollars. Yep. For a few dollars more. Mm-hmm. All of your favorite spaghetti westerns. Spaghetti westerns. Yep. You know it. All right. Well, that was weird. That was a weird aside. So, uh, yeah, it was awesome. They do a full-on western standoff. By the way, for folks was, who don't know. I was going to say that. For folks who don't know, though, okay, I'll let you finish that. But for folks who don't know, Cad Bane is a really, really bad a bounty hunter who was introduced in Star Wars: The Clone Wars, the animated show. He was introduced very early in. He's been in a lot of the main arcs of the show. He's had run-ins, I believe, with Boba Fett whenever he was a kid. If I'm not getting that wrong, maybe. Um, and then there was a scene that wasn't shot, but it was an animatic. Um, so they had. Kind of drawn it up, drawn it out, but they never actually produced it for for Clone Wars, where or for maybe it was for yeah for Clone Wars, yeah it would have been Clone Wars, not Rebels, where um he gets killed, he gets shot in the head in a in a uh, duel with Boba Fett. Whoa! But because that never aired, it never really became canon. But they left the the whole duel and every all the other stuff from that that uh, unproduced episode. They left most of it as canon, just not the part where Cad Bane dies. Because if you remember, Cad Bane shows up in the Bad Batch. Yeah. And he has a big, he takes his hat off and he has a big metal plate on his head now. And that's where he got shot by Boba Fett. That's really cool. So it is canon that he knows Boba Fett. Yeah. Yep. Um, And then, yeah, finally, it ends with a huge cliffhanger. Again, it has nothing to do with Boba Fett whatsoever, which is Luke basically pulling out Master Yoda's sword. Sword. (laughs) Master Yoda's light sword. His his. Laser saber. I'm going to beat you. And we don't know how he got it. Uh, last time we saw Yoda's lightsaber, I mean, I hate being one of those guys getting in the weeds about like, well, where did the lightsaber go? Sure, somebody could just ran in and got it. But the last we saw, Palpatine knocked it out of Yoda's hand in the Senate when they were fighting, and he never ha- ever had it again. That was a long time ago, though. Yeah, so who went and got it, though? Um, It doesn't, wait. How did it get to, how did it get to Luke? But what do you mean? How did it get to Luke? He had. He was. He trained with Luke. He probably had it in his bed. He was sleeping. So he's making crap up. Then, either way, whatever. It's fine. So he pulls out. He's like, "Here's this bat. Uh, this armor. This little onesie. This adorable little onesie made of uh, made out of chainmail that Mando made you. And here's Yoda's lightsaber. Stay with me. I'll train you, you, you in my. You'll be my first student at my school. Or you can go back with your best friend, Mandalorian." <laughs> Your best friend Mandalorian. Yes. Yes, basically. So it's a big choice, and it zooms in on Grogu's adorable little face, and then it da-da, cuts to black, da-da-na, and it says, da-da-na. directed by Dave Filoni, which should have been no surprise. Anyway, that's all the time that we have to talk about Book of Boba Fett. I can't wait to see what the finale brings. I hope that it's as good as the last two episodes. Big turnaround from where we were at before. But stay tuned. We are going to be discussing Ben Wheatley's High Rise. Now, a word from our sponsors. All right, welcome back to the Kids Stays in the podcast. Are you guys ready? Guys, gals, sorry. I keep just saying And that. all you non-binary pals, dad. Exactly. I know. I, sh- I need to stop, stop using such language. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be discussing Ben Wheatley's movie, High Rise. This is one that slipped past me. I know we're doing like a, a, a film noir run right now. Um, while we kind of wait for stuff to come back to the theater, even though I did want to talk about, I did want to go see Jackass, but it wasn't ever something that I really cared about that much. And there's honestly, January is a bad time. So if you're February, February is a bad time too. January and February. Those are not good times for movies. It's really true. Jack the bad word. What? Jack the bad word got great reviews. Oh, Jackass. (laughs) Yeah, it did. It did get great reviews. And um, that's why I wanted to see it, but I don't. I didn't. Grow, I didn't grow up watching that. You yeah, know what I mean? but it has someone in it that I wanted to see. Who? Johnny Knoxville? No. 
But we're not going to waste time talking about a movie we didn't see when we did see a movie, and that movie is called High Rise. Sky High. So High Rise, 2015 movie. 2016. 2015. Is it 15? I yeah. swear I read it and it said 16. Well, I'm reading it right now, and it says 2015. Well, maybe I'm Hang wrong. on. I'm going to get Ben Wheatley on the phone. Oh. Uh, hey, Ben. Yeah. 2015 is when you made that movie? Yeah. Oh. So well, HBO Max right. lied to me then. I read, a, I read it on HBO Max. It said 2016. Well, I'm reading the release date, and it says 2015. But this is a good thing to argue about. People really like it whenever we argue about when a movie came out that they had never even heard of before. Mm-hmm. I agree. So we slotted this in because Ben Wheatley is known to combine a lot of genres. I saw his... Uh, Kill List, I believe, is the movie that I saw. That's 2005, unless you want to argue or ask HBO. 2006. It was actually 2011. Um, but, yeah, I saw Kill List, or Kill List, and there's a lot of noir elements in there. Um, really, really weird. So I was thinking, oh, I actually missed this high-rise movie. Let's jump in. This will be, a, you know, we've done a classic noir. We haven't gotten really classic yet, right? And after watching a 1985 movie almost called Solomon to have a brain hemorrhage, <laughs> I decided to do something that was a little bit more modern, recent. Oh, it was so much better. And they actually did a really fun, cool voiceover. That was good. Did they? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because he, he starts talking to himself. Yep. As in, like, third person. Yeah, so uh, High Rise turned out to not have it. There is some noir in there. But I don't know if I will go if I would be willing to I go to bat and say that there is some in. a noir movie. Um, I mean, there's a lot of smoking. Noir movies have a lot of smoking a lot of times. Is there any detective? Uh, not really. But there is kind of this mystery air of like what's going on. It's almost like you're the detective when you're watching the movie. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I can stretch and say that. Sure, you 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 do you boo. Um, I'm not gonna say that again. I didn't like it. You, you, I don't want you to do it again. You don't. You do whatever you want, Dad. <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, something that we always do, we just did it, and it was really, really painful when we did it for Book of Boba Fett. It, it's been really painful every week, um, and I, now we're doing it twice in the same show, but I feel like we have to do it anyway, especially with this movie. Hi, Rise. What is this? What is the general plot of this movie? Oh, Oh, so if I say general plot, does that make you feel less intimidated than if I say plot synopsis? It made it worse. Three sentences of what the general idea of the movie is. Okay. A man moves into a high rise. Any old high rise? Just like a. I mean, how can I just. some guy made it. Okay, just keep going. Just keep going. I'll stop interrupting you. That's, yeah, you know, it's they, not. It's not. Yeah, it's not it fair. makes it a lot harder. Yeah. yeah just do. Th- just do your three sentences, and then we'll move. We'll build from there. Okay. A man moves into a high rise. Period. He. No, you know what? A man moves into a high rise. Mysteries. Follow. I don't no. have. I don't have three sentences. No. I only have two. Um, a man moves into a high rise, and then things start happening, and we don't understand why. No, wrong. Sorry. Unexplainable things. That's not <laughs> that's such a bad plot synopsis. Um, you know, at least you're consistent. Like some people like the whole practice makes perfect. Practice, practice, you get better and better. I, but I appreciate the fact that you get worse and worse. <laughs> Dad, I did get good, better. I went up the hill, and then. Fell all the way off. Yeah, you dove from like the 50th story of the high rise. Yeah. So the high rise is about a futuristic. Now, I want to be really clear. This movie is blending a lot of genres. So one of them is it's retro futurism or alternate futurism. I don't know how you're supposed to say it. But essentially, everybody has like dial up rotary phones and everything looks like a, a set of madmen and everybody kind of dresses like it's like the 70s. But it's an alternate version of the 70s. 80s, if that's what we're supposed to be, where there are these futuristic high-rises that are state-of-the-art, and basically the lower-income oh, yeah. people live on the bottom floors, and, the and then the richer you get, the higher and higher up you go till you get to the architect, who is very unsubtly named Royal, and he lives Anthony on Royal. the roof. And, um, yeah, he so has horses and goats and, yeah. and dogs and, and, and all kinds of things up there. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
did you do that? <laughs> I don't uh, know. He does, though. A bad omen when we first get up there to let us know not all is right in this world is a big, scary goat. Hey. Like it was straight out of the Vivitch. Hey, he has white hooves. He's safe. No. He's not solid black. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm pretty sure that whenever you see a black goat in a movie, it's like a, it's like a bad. But not whenever sign. it's only when it's solid black goats. Um, if there's a little white, white feet. You're just making crap up now. That I, I didn't even know, notice it having different colored feet. I did. I made that. I said it out to you. You know what? I bet that you're right. I bet Ben Wheatley did that to trick us into thinking it was a bad <laughs> omen. And he's like, but a good one's on now. It's his feet is white. Ridiculous. Look, I know all about the occult. And that. So, I want to be really clear, though, before we dive into more of the plot things of this movie. Ben Wheatley is known for having a lot of social commentary, satire, political satire in his movies. This certainly not an exception. I would say it is almost overbearing in how the movie is more of a metaphor, I think, than a story. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes sense, and it's accurate. Um, like, what made you feel that way? Like, what specifically? I didn't understand what was happening. So, because... Oh, I guess we didn't really finish the synopsis. Man, we are not on, a, on, the, on it today. No, we did finish the synopsis. Not really, because I said so. The, I said that the, the lower class people, and it gets wealthier and wealthier, but the plot of the movie is about how as small things start impacting people's ability to, let's say, get rid of trash, people's ability to uh, get rid of waste, uh, people's ability to share... Common spaces, food starts becoming scarce, power starts going out, so they have to start ration power. Obviously, the people in the top want to keep using power for these crazy parties and whatever. So it's essentially about how society ends up dividing itself once the civility, the the veneer of modern civility is is broken. Do you want to go ahead and define that word for the audience? What word? Veneer. You know, the the facade. Like the like imagine that you're a clown. And you oh. put on your big makeup, makeup-y smile. It's just like, you know, one-eighth of a centimeter that's, uh, you know, projecting this clown funny image to the world. But, you know, one little wet wipe across the face, and it's and you see the, the man underneath the mask. Are you calling me a clown? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no. You asked what a veneer was. Anyway, go ahead. I didn't ask. The- I was just letting... The audience know what that word meant. Well, the point is that that is kind of, I think, what the kind of social messaging here is, right? Yeah. About how people divide themselves into class and about what happens and about, like, whenever there's scarcity and how it turns, everybody ends up turning into an animal, right? So it's not that deep of a message. So I felt like the fact, I don't think that he had to make it so much of a metaphor. But anyway, so what I ask you, sorry, whenever before you asked that, was what... Made you feel like the movie was more feeling was making it feel more metaphor metaphor than story to you. So for me, it just felt like nothing really was moving forward. What do you mean? Like we just kept like uh, there's like a slow decline of like goods and whatever. But I didn't feel like I was. I felt like I was just watching things happen instead of watching like there'd be like a, a uh, cause and effect. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think that I think that, that was I think that's one of the things I would say because so the the um you know the the person that we introduce are oh my what are just you okay? happened I sorry you a stroke? I had a minor stroke just now okay are you um, okay yeah I'm okay now okay. so we're introduced into this office building by a new tenant played by uh, Tom Hiddleston I love him he's hot yes and he is not in Loki mode he's not particularly charming or he's he kind is, of flat and I disaffected. think he's pretty charming. I think he's kind of flat and like cold and distant. And hot. Nothing has yeah, Tom Hiddleston. Let's we don't need to say that. It goes without saying, literally. Um so he's kind of our surrogate, right? He's a neurosurgeon. 
and we see him at his practice. You know what I mean? Or, or we see him teaching neurosurgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the people. The face is just very easy. It comes off your face very easily. What? The face, your face, comes off of the head very easily. Off of your skull. Yeah. That was a very random thing. You didn't give any, like, aside into what that was. I was just letting them know because we learned that. Yes, he takes someone's face off of a skull. They're dead They're, one, like, during one of the lessons. Yeah, we didn't, decapitated we didn't, didn't just kill that guy. Well, I mean, you just said the face comes off of the head very easily. It's just <laughs> a very random thing to say with no context. It does. Um, so, yeah, there's no... Essentially, as yeah, as, as like power starts going out on the lower floors and then they start rationing the middle class, right, mm-hmm. to, to kind of make it to where the rich people always have as much power as they want. Um, but yeah, there, you don't get a cause and effect, right? Like we get a scene where they're like, Hey, don't put big trash bags in the bin shoot or else it'll get clogged. Well, the next thing we see is it's just all clogged and there's trash everywhere. We didn't really see what made people stop taking their trash out or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then like same, it, same thing with the groceries and stuff. Cause people are going to work as far as we know, nothing is wrong with anywhere else in the world except for in this building. Right. Yeah. So why are they not getting groceries But we delivered? also, we don't see anything else. All we see are the high-rises and nothing else. So it kind of just seems like that's where you are. It seems like that's where the, the story is taking place and there's nothing else in the world. Right, and I think that's why I think it works better as a metaphor because, um, or satire or whatever, allegory, is because every time they take us out every time they even show cars, you know what I mean? Like when they show people going to their cars to go to work. Yeah. Anytime they even show that it really makes the actual realism of the movie. Not realism is the wrong word. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what you're, what you're in in fiction. You, you need a certain level of buy-in into the fiction of the movie, right? Like we watch star Wars or star Trek or any kind of sci-fi thing or any fantasy thing, and you buy into what the rules of that world are, right? This world didn't seem to have any rules, and it, you would break the uh, the rules. You could believe that this apartment complex was just evolving this way, right? Yeah. But if everybody had the ability to leave, they well, have cars be. and they had jobs, you see the outside world, and it has nothing to do with this, whatever this weird social experiment that's happening. So... It just kind of, that kind of, to me, made it feel like it wasn't a regular story. It just made it feel like it was like, you know, a I metaphor. Mean, like the just... scorpion and the frog. It's a metaphor. You know what I mean? Scorpions and frogs can't talk to each other. Frogs don't normally give scorpions rides across the river. You know what I mean? You know it's just a parable, right? It's not an actual plot. Huh. I've heard that story before. I'm sure you have. <laughs> but yeah, same thing as a little engine that could. It only exists to tell you to keep trying and to believe in yourself, right? As a story... It's not very interesting. A train went up and a train went back down. Yeah. That's the end. So you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how this movie was starting to feel because it didn't make any sense logically why people were staying in this high rise as it turns into a hellhole. Yeah. It, 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 it only, goes crazy, man. Yeah. It only, it only, they only stay there because they need to for the metaphor to work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, what did you think once it started actually going crazy? Did you think the movie w- was bananas? Did you think it was weird? W- w- I was so confused. Like, I understood that everything was just going to hell. Everything would just, everyone's going crazy. They're just, like, doing everything. They're kill- They're killing people, you know. How are you confused, though? What was confusing to you? Because I didn't know why. What are you talking about? They were running out of food and stuff. And yeah, I didn't like, know why, though. I didn't know why they were running out of all these things. But th- I just said that. I know, but... Because of a because meta- the whole movie just a metaphor. Yeah, but that was just confusing for my brain. Well, <laughs> why were you not chiming in when I was saying exactly this earlier? I was saying it didn't make any sense it didn't why this stuff sense. was happening. Exactly. Except for they just needed it to for the metaphor. metaphor. Yeah, but I didn't understand that fully. While I was watching the movie, I thought there was going to be something that happened that made it all connect. Well, I thought you'd have at least been engaging whenever we were discussing it, you know, I'd five minutes ago. I, I was just listening to you, making sure I understood. That's not how conversations work. I, like, 
Anyway, so you were confused the whole time because you didn't understand why that was happening. You weren't confused by the what the people were doing. No, yeah. Yeah. They were just... Yeah, because like I said, like I said, it didn't make any sense. Why why were the grocery stores not getting restocked? Like I thought it was going to be a huge social experiment, and you found out that the architect the guy at the top, he did this all on purpose so he could watch humanity break down and reach their natural state or some other kind of thing. But yeah. it turns out that's not the case at all. It just yeah, he, accidentally happened. He was just a he was a part of the experiment. So yeah, it but, couldn't but, have been that. But it wasn't an experiment. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was just it was supposed to be having have something to say about the natural state. Of people, of yeah, of, of people. Um, yeah. What did you What did you think that they were What did you th- What do you think they were trying to say here? What do I think they were trying to say? Like, what do I think the message or the theme was? Yeah, I mean, obviously multiple themes. Lots I don't know if you have to say theme. message, but well, you know, theme theme is the M E, so the message. There was yeah, there was a theme is a part of the word message or the message. Right, so anyway, what, what were your What were I your, learned that in school? What were like your, in the third grade. What were you gonna say? Well, it's like I. So you asked me what the message was, basically. No, I specifically <laughs> said not the message. What were the themes of the movies? Were there any things that you picked up on? You what do you think? It, what do you think it was about? What I think the what was the whole thing about? Obviously, if it's if, it, if he cares more about the metaphor than the story, what was the, the metaphor? metaphor? Yeah, what do you think that he's trying to say with this movie? He was trying to say that um, without resources, people go mad. If you don't have, if you don't have. If you don't have access to what you need to survive, you aren't alive. You go crazy. <laughs> That's your best shot. That was do, uh, look. You have three. We only have three more minutes. Three minutes. That's it. Yeah. So why don't you give us a little better shot at with the okay? This movie the where people people are are naturally evil. When, and whenever you take away what they want, what what you, whenever you take away what is needed. They indulge in what is their natural primal instincts are. Okay, yeah, I think I think that I think you're definitely onto something there. I would say that I think this movie is is pretty darn um, nihilistic. Yeah, um, I did not seem like a humanist movie. Humans did not seem good. Yeah, almost at all. I've been learning about philosophy in my classes. Um, and I just humans are naturally evil is one of the ph- philosophists. It's not a very popular. Um, it's not a very popular viewpoint, I would say, in modern philosophy. I think humanism is is in, this, in the in, in innate the belief that human beings are innately good. I I definitely though think that this movie um, does not share that. Mm-mm, not at all. Um, even the way it shoots kids. Seems like Ben Wheatley doesn't have much use for kids. They're not shot as, like, they're not bad guys, and they're not just showing them always picking their nose or anything, but they are pretty loud and annoying, you know what I mean? Like, mm. for the most part, even the one other kid they were introduced to, Toby, um, uh, Sienna Miller. Dude, great cast, by the way, in this movie. We have Jeremy Irons, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Sienna Miller, and then just a who's who of British character, actor, character actors. What? What's that one girl? Which, which one girl? Helen. Helen. She's in The Invisible Man. Oh, uh, uh, Elizabeth Moss. Felt like we should give her. Yeah, she's also out. in it. She's very good. Um, but yeah, like the way he shoots kids, it's like the kids are annoying. And yeah, I just think that there, there, there was, this movie did not seem to like human beings. No. Let's just say that. They were pointing out all the flaws and everything about people in general. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but yeah, before we do our wrap-up, we were kind of discussing like the themes of the movie. This movie seems really nihilistic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you think there's there anything else that he was trying to say that you want to cover? You know, I mean, I feel like the movie was just, I mean, I mean, it I, I did, it's not, I, I, didn't have a, it, I didn't have a lot of issues with, with how on the nose it was. I just wish that I felt like the message or theme or whatever was a bit deeper than just then, like the people being bad. Yeah, I mean, like there is something to be. There is something there that they were trying to like. It was very Britishy. First of all, I love the British. Um, there it was very British. That, yeah, that's what I meant by that. I, I say it's very Britishy. You say I love the British, and then yawn. <laughs> Why are you being so mean? How's that mean? That's just like 
that was uh, what was like somebody needs to be slapped. Something that somebody needs to be slapped would do. You not agree? I agree. I concur. All right. So let's continue. Let's let's focus up and get through this next discussion of you know deep meaningful things. I know that you'd rather just go hey. talk about your TikToks and all of your little widgets that you get in Fortnite's. And I know this is th- talking about philosophy and themes is probably it's probably hurting your. Hurting I had your head. a whole thing over there. You think just because we had a, some sponsors that they didn't hear that I was talking about real thoughts? Well, let's go. Again? I already had my thoughts. I'm asking you what the other themes were besides just nihilistic, besides the idea that behind every every man is just a beast waiting to come out as soon as there's no rules of society. I mean, that's, that's kind of a tale as old as time, if you will. Wheel. Will. Yeah, but, like, how much more... Is that as I'm asking you? Do you think there was any other themes that he was trying to tackle in the movie? I'm sure there was, but I feel like I would have to have another watch through to under to like like have a, a, a take a step back to actually see them all because it was very obviously filled with a lot of ideas. I mean, I think the and there one of the main ones is that when. There was a lot of there was a definitely a, a through line of commentary about sexism, and yeah. I, it was like he was trying to get to some fundamental place that I couldn't really all the way understand. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Like at the end of the day, if, if civilization falls down, the first thing that men will try and do is wrest power away from women and resubjugate them. Right? That's like one of the first things that happens. They kidnap everybody's wives. People are using trading their wives. For food, you know what I mean. Yeah. So women are you looked at as property. They they actually start saying that you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. What you do with your property, they start. That's why they start talking about the the their spouses. Um. So that you know. But what was the commentary though? Like, what is he really trying to say there? You know, other than that, everybody is gross and ugly. If the rules of society went away, I I. Don't know the exact goal of what he was trying to say. Yeah. It seemed like he was definitely trying to tackle it, and there was a bunch of weird things and gross things happening to women, but I don't know how to exactly put into words what his goal was. Right, because usually in a movie about this, they show how anarchy can bring out our true selves and our better selves, right? The ones where we're not having to fake it, we're not putting on a suit. And there's a weird commentary with uh, Tom Hiddleston's character where it's talking about somebody says something to him about the effect that he is the perfect person to live in the high rise because he is so cold and detached and he doesn't things don't get under his skin as much or whatever. You know what I mean? So, yeah, and he is very cold and attached and he does at the end love it living there now that Mm -hmm. it's like a post apocalyptic waste because by the end of this movie, we're now watching like a post apocalyptic movie. Yeah, it starts off as like a three months earlier and it's a dystopian area it's dystopian area already you mean yeah it's it starts off dystopian yeah it starts off with like looking like something from mad max with him eating his own dog yeah and um then it shows it three months before but again like i said this is this movie is a fairy tale you have to look at it as a grim dark fairy tale or a metaphor or a parable however you want to say it because really they do not show us enough to to show how within three months society inside of this high-rise would have collapsed that badly. You know yeah. what I mean? I've sometimes not cleaned my house for three months, and it doesn't look as bad as it did in that those people's houses. They had, like, crap smeared on the walls, and their furniture was upside down. That's actually very true. Um, so there was something about the rich. There was something about the excesses of the wealthy. I think he's definitely talking about that. But there's also the excesses of the bourgeois, you know, the middle class, right? A lot of these people were... Yes, they were like um, there were some doctors, but they were like also like school teachers and uh, you know documentary filmmakers and you know what I mean. So like there was this upper middle class that also was having a huge amount of excess, and then there was the upper upper class that was just doing excess in a like a way that was so over the top it was ridiculous. Yeah. But a lot of the excess I feel like that they focused on was that upper middle class. You know what I mean? The doctors, the lawyers. Um, uh, you know, like I said, like the school teachers, the philosophers. 
I mean, obviously you can be, I don't know what the exact amount of money that you need to make or what status or social, whatever. But I think that, you know, most doctors and lawyers are probably upper middle class. And there, I'm sure, are doctors and lawyers that are upper, upper class or whatever. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> why, why are you sounding so exhausted? I'm not. Um, but yes, yeah, so I don't, I just don't know what the, I, just, I don't know what, how I come away from this movie feeling. You know what I mean? I feel really conflicted because I don't really, I didn't feel like it was very profound as far as what the messaging was. Yeah, it felt it felt very obvious. Yeah. So, and like we said, there was no, like, real plot that you had to, like, find the message. It was just, like, this was a message, and you need to understand it. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. And, and, and it also, like, Kill List had some really gnarly, brutal kills in it and left you this sick feeling in the pit of your stomach. Um, and this movie didn't, really have any that much gore in it I don't feel like or any I was expecting it to be a lot more actiony let me just say that I I was yeah. really expecting there to be them to start all killing each other I was not the movie skips that I mean I was once I started watching the movie right once you saw the opening yeah yeah I mean yeah okay when I first in the song I thought it was gonna be a noir movie I thought Tom Peniston was gonna be a hot detective man <laughs> no so I was very shocked yeah, I thought it was. I didn't know what. I don't know what I was expecting. I thought it to be. That was, I thought it was definitely going to be a little bit more noirish than this. Uh, like I said, I think there was a lot of elements there, setting. Um, you know, a lot of the ways things were shot. Um. But yeah, but they also like they even time jump past when everybody gets killed, right? Yeah. Like we see some scenes of violence. We see some scenes of people getting like people beating, like punching each other. But as far as when all these people are started dying, we saw one person die. Yeah. They jumped off a building. They didn't even get killed by anyone. It's true. Um, but yeah, I guess final thoughts from me would just be, uh, oh, and, and it ends with this like really, really on the nose um, shot of one of the kids listening to Margaret Thatcher talk about capitalism and how capitalism is the best way to do things. And then he starts looking really pensive and it's like, oh, so now that we have everybody, they're going to find a new system to control people, right? Because the high-rise system seemed like it was very obviously based on old, the old monarchy like, system. Yeah, well, yeah, it was based on, like, old true capitalism. No, not capitalism, I don't think, at all. In the original capitalism, it was only the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Yeah, but that's what a lot of people still believe about capitalism. But that's not true now. But either way, with this, the, the high-rise was set up in a monarchic caste system literally the poor people and peasants on the bottom floor yeah and then the aristocracy or aristocracy on the top yeah Yeah. and so it's showing that collapse right we saw that kind of get reordered and Mm -hmm. the wealthy people still stayed wealthy on the top even though not as wealthy as they used to be they told they told you the whole plan for the building and it's it's so on the nose you can't even call it a metaphor anymore they literally say all right, we're going to go down there, and we're going to colonize the lower levels, civilize the ones we can in the middle, and then we're just going to change everything, like, on the bottom floors. And they're going to change the whole bottom floors into, like, golf courses and clubhouses and stuff, right? Yeah. So they're going to, like, gentrify the bottom floors, actually wipe out the poor people, you know what I mean? Yep. And then colonize the middle class and make them more like them, right? And then they try to show that that's a natural, what, what happened there then they try and show like the natural evolution, I guess, is going to be capital. I mean, assume based on everything I've seen from Ben Wheatley that he is no, you know, pro-capitalist or even democratic capitalism or whatever. I, th- I imagine that no kind of capitalism is is his kind. That's okay. my that's my guess. All right, based on that final shot of the movie. But uh, if you, you know, are politically inclined at all, you know that if anybody in a British movie is showing somebody listening to Margaret Thatcher, it ain't because they're big Margaret Thatcher fans. <laughs> Um. Anyway, look, you've yawned four hundred times. You're obviously you're twice. obviously done with this conversation. So, what are your final thoughts? Rating, if you want to give a rating, when we do these deep dives into old movies or older movies, I don't really care about if we do a rating system or not. So you don't have to. Don't but really... what are your final thoughts? How did it leave you feeling? What do you think about the movie? Would you recommend it? Go ahead. I don't feel like it needs a, a, a rating, but it was. I think you should give it a watch, if you're like, and I, okay. It's a weird movie. I think you should check it out just so you can see what we're talking about and actually understand it. 
it's a cool it's a cool movie with a cool idea. It does have a lot of nudity. Like let me tell you, whenever people start running out of resources or even when they have a lot of resources, they tend to apparently start having a lot of orgies. A lot. It's There's not a, it's not that graphic, but there is a lot of a lot stuff of sassy time. You should know about. I should, people should know. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, we should let them know. Um but yeah, overall it was a it was a neat movie and that's exactly how I'll leave it. I think it was interesting had it tackled a lot of ideas. And overall executed pretty well. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's worth watching out. Definitely check it out if you're a Wheatley completionist. Absolutely. Um, it's really well shot. The acting is really great. Oh, and a great score. I uh, yeah. really like the score. It I, added I, know, I didn't look up who the person is, so if, I'm sorry. Sorry. You'll have to use the internet yourself, folks. Yeah, um, it, it added a lot of like tension and it made it really weird. And like stressed in places that it didn't seem like it needed to be. It kept but it just made a very awkward, uncomfortable place. <laughs> no, I, I agree. There are some soundscapes where they used music that was kind of like some kind of, it was like industrial metal almost in a couple places that just yeah. sounded like noise. But there's a couple places where they would take pop songs and then they would, if they were showing like the upper class people, if you paid attention, they're just playing a pop song, but they're playing it with like, like, uh, an orchestra, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a later on, there's another pop song that's playing, but it's like over the almost a horror montage of people getting stabbed to death. Um, and it's playing, so it's like they're singing it really slow, like it's some kind of Marilyn Manson ballad, but it's really kind of a bubblegummy, you know, 80s uh, pop rock song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a curiosity. I think that just like it, you know what it reminds me of what? is a great sci fi short story. You know, you read like a great, like Philip K. Dick or one of those guys, like a. a sci-fi short story they might write would be something very similar to this. You know what I mean? And it just has a very simple message, 10 pages long. So I think this was stretched out a little bit too long. The middle gets really repetitive. I think it's on purpose, but it's showing them having these parties and whatever. It's kind of boring, but yeah, no, definitely give it a watch. Um, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, and it's not like and, and S tier, but unless something catches our eye at the theater this week, what I'm hoping to be able to review for everybody next week, which is noir and is also new, so Solomon will be happy about that. Came out this year, Woo. is um, Guillermo del Toro's new movie, uh, Nightmare Alley. Really yeah. excited about watching that. I, I was so, excited about watching that, as but well. I'm not. No promises that we're going to be talking about that next week. But I, I will say that is on our list for this noir series. And hopefully as we can start moving through February, we will be getting back into the theaters. I hope I want to keep us doing about 50-50 is what I'd like. You know what I mean? Unless it's a really big movie month. I'd like yeah. to do 50% new movies and 50% kind of diving into the back catalog. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Kid Stays in the Podcast. Want to take us out? Uh, follow us on Instagram at Kid in the Pick. And on RogueMediaNetwork.com. See ya. Make sure you subscribe, follow us on Kids Stays in the Picture on Instagram, or follow us on RogueMediaNetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.